Hello, and thank you for joining the North Point Church Lutes podcast. We're excited that you found us, and we pray that you'll come back often and listen again and again. Each week, we upload the content preached in one of the North Point Church services here in Lutz, and we pray that you'll come back and listen and marinate on what it is that God was teaching us. The more that these messages get into your heart, the more that you have the opportunity to be obedient and allow them to change your life. We believe that God is real and His Word is true, and that has the power to change your life. So let's lean in together and see what it is that God has in store for you today. Good morning, North Point Church. How's everybody doing? All right, it's glad to hear. Hey, my name is Brian. I'm the director of worship and creative arts here. And you're probably thinking, oh, cool, he wasn't singing today, so they're going to let him come out and introduce the guest speaker, right? (laughs) No, y'all are stuck with me today, so hope you're having a good day and I don't ruin it today, so... No, we're glad you're here. So you're probably wondering, what am I going to be talking about? Well, we are in a series called Chase Your or Our Calling. And today I'm talking about our calling to worship. And it seems, you know, right, because, you know, I'm the director of worship here. So it gives me a unique perspective that I hope I can share with you today as we spend some time together. But the reality is, is we all worship something, right? If we were to look at our lives, we all worship something. And if, it wouldn't be hard to find either. If we looked at what we spend our time on, what we spend our money on, what gets our attention, what gets our loyalty, what we talk about, all these different things. That's how we identify those things that we worship. And worship, in its broad definition, is the, uh, how we express our love to the things that we value the most. And so if we were to look at what those things are in our lives, like I said, we could easily identify what those things are are. And, um, but here's the deal. God doesn't mind us having interests. He doesn't mind us, you know, having things that we love and we adore. Those things aren't bad. What he desires, though, is those things to never be above him. He never wants those things to get above our love and our adoration of him. So before we dive into that, did y'all enjoy the hymns we did this morning? All right. It might surprise you, I love the old hymns. I grew up on the old hymns. The hymns play a, a deep, have a deep um, history in my faith, in my personal faith. And I can still this day hear my grandmother singing at the top of her lungs in the church choir, uh, many of the hymns that we even sang this morning. And so we see even the scriptures mention the word hymn. We see that many times, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. And uh, that just comes from the Greek word called hymnos. And it simply means a song of praise. So anytime we offer up a song of praise, we are offering up a hymn to our God. And uh, there's new hymns, there's old hymns. But many times I find that we love even new songs and, and the older ones because we have that feeling, that, that attachment back to those things. And we have to be careful that we don't get nostalgic over uh, songs and that take away from our worship as well. Uh, but I love hymns. I love that we do hymns from time to time. Uh, they just, uh, and hymns were written, I don't know if you know this, but hymns were actually written as a way for the common person to be able to worship. Many times in church gatherings, they did chants or readings or even sometimes at choirs. Many times it was in Latin. And the early hymn writers wanted a way for the common person to be able to worship. And so they came up, they would take bar melodies and they would attach a deep theological truth into those things. And that's how we got hymns. And the hymns helped point our way, helped get us to where we are today. 
to where we have these new hymns, these new modern worship ex- uh, expressions of worship. And that should be how the past experiences always lead us and move us forward into discovering uh, new ways that we can worship. And my heart, as your worship director, is always to find creative ways for you to engage in worship. And we have chosen prayerfully the songs that we sing, the environment that we are worship within, even the musical style. We take great care and great prayer in crafting those and what we want to do. And listen, I know not everything we do is going to connect with everybody in the room. We know that. And that's okay. I want you to hear that. That's okay that there may be some things we do from time to time that maybe you don't connect with, but somebody else does. But we feel like where we have landed is a place where... Whether somebody walks in who's just trying to figure out what they believe and what they want to believe, or maybe a new Christian or even a seasoned believer, what we have chosen to do, we feel best gives us the best opportunity to engage as many people in the room. It's also something that we believe is unique to North Point so that when someone comes in who's maybe trying out churches, they find something different here, maybe something different they haven't experienced before. And why we do what we do, we don't ever want to discount. Like, it's not because we think we found something better. We just found something that we think is unique to us. And we support our brothers and sisters, other churches who do things in maybe a different way. Uh, we appreciate that and, cha- and uh, celebrate that. But if you're ready, I'd like to dive in. I want to look at what worship is. Maybe look at some things worship is not. And even what happens when we worship in ways that we can worship. So I'm going to start off with talking about what worship is. And so I talked about that worship in its broad definition is the, the, how we express our love to the things that we value the most. But I wanted something different for us that are followers of Jesus. So what worship means for us. And this is the best definition I came up with. And uh, it says, worship is our response to the greatness of who God is and for what he has done for us. You see, worship was designed. It was created for us to exalt God, for us to give him glory and to just find our place in the story that God is telling and he invites us into. Now, worship is, uh, is a broad category as we look through scriptures. There's many different expressions of worship. But today I want to kind of hone in on music and singing because that's what we do here week after week. And so we're going to kind of dial into what worship is through music and to singing. And, and the reason I, I wanted to kind of go here is because whenever I was reading through scriptures, whenever I see like God intersecting with humanity, whether it was the Israelites, whether it was the disciples, whether it was uh, Paul and the and New Testament stories, or even the picture that we get in Revelation, whenever God intersected with humanity, his people always responded back to him and worship through singing. And so part of it, too, is music has this unique way of connecting us to the thing we were singing to, right? Have you ever, like a love song, when we sing a love song to that special somebody in our life, man, that's we're connecting to that person. Maybe it's your go-to jam when you're working out, or it's your song, that, a playlist that you put on when maybe you're experiencing certain emotions like anger and joy. Music has this unique way of connecting us to the thing that we're connected to or trying to connect to. But it's also something that I believe is a gift from God, that he has given every single one of us as a way to express love to him, as a way to connect to him. And um, 
I know I've talked to several people throughout the years who have just said, you know, I'm just music's not my thing. I don't put on music in the car. I don't have background music. I don't like to sing. But I think instead of trying to convince others that music or singing isn't our gift, we should wholeheartedly have a longing to experience more of God. So if singing's not your thing, music's not your thing, that's okay. It doesn't have to be your main thing or your main expression of worship. But hopefully today as we dig in, you will see that we can challenge ourselves uh, to worship God in a new way, worship Him in a way and express that to Him in new ways. Um, I was, as I was compiling some scriptures, I wanted to find some scriptures that talked about worship in the Bible. And there were so many, we could probably sit here for a few weeks and read them off. But I, I kind of narrowed them down to a few that I think really um, kind of give us a picture into the scriptures of what worship is. So I'm going to kind of hit them off. If you're going to try to find them, you're probably not going to keep up. But they will be on the screen behind me. I'm going to start in Luke 19, verse 36. And it says this, As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Personally, I, I kind of like to see that. That'd be kind of cool. Like in our services, have some rocks and they start cheering. Personally, that'd be kind of cool. But, it, you know, creation worships. You know, creation is longing to worship uh, God as well. And we're called to worship and, and, uh, and be there. So Psalm 103 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Psalm 63 verse 3 says, Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Ephesians 5 says, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then one of my favorites is Psalm 150, and it says this, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in, in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praise to the Lord. Praise the Lord. And these are just a small sample of many of the verses that talk about worship and worshiping God through singing. But I want to talk a little bit about how the Bible says we are, how we're to worship, and how we're expressed that worship. And this isn't an exhaustive list, but I have, if you uh, go and get our Go Deeper each week, our Go Deeper does have where these things I'm about to list, you can go check them out. You can kind of dig in to see some of those verses. So uh, it's on our website. Uh, you go to resources and click Go Deeper. It's a great tool if you have a small group and you want to kind of continue the conversation um, or just do it as a personal devotional that is there. So just kind of a plug for that. But here are some of the primary ways that I see that the Bible says we're to worship. It says we're supposed to worship in public. It says it should be celebratory. It should involve kneeling playing musical instruments, 
singing, shouting, lifting hands, giving thanks. It should involve prayer, service to others, dancing. Yeah, it says dancing. And a joyful noise, making a joyful noise. So for those of you who say, I can't sing, I don't sing, there's your out right there. All you have to do is just be joyful. Don't worry about it, just be joyful. So these are the ways we can express our love to God and respond to who he is and what he has done for us. Now I'd like to stop here and play a little game. Can we play a game? Would that be all right? All right. So my wife plays this game with my son every now and then. It's called Would You Rather. So if you're at home, you can join along. You can use the comment section there as well. But here in the room, I'm going to give you a choice between two different things. And by a show of hands, I want you to let me know which one you prefer. If you're online again, we'd love for you to interact with us and use the comment section to kind of play along. So you ready? Here we go. Do you like to eat chicken or steak? So who are my poultry fans in the house? Oh, pretty good amount. How about steak? That's me. I like a good steak. Yeah. All right. Y'all are with me. All right. Good. All right. Do, would you rather listen to classic rock or country? So where's my classic rock people? That's, I like both, but I'm more classical rock. All right. Country? All right. Good. All right. Would you rather watch, at the end of the day, a drama or a sitcom? So how about drama? Any drama? Y'all like to think and be on the edge of your seats, right? How about sitcom? Yeah, that's me. I like to laugh. That's good. All right, another musical one. Do you rather, la- rather listen to pop or would you rather listen to classical music? So how, who's my pop fans? Popular music? How about classical? Oh, there's quite a bit of you. Yeah. Wife walked in on me the other day. I had it on random stuff. I was playing classical. She's like, what do you listen to? I was like, I like it. It may not always come on, but I like it. All right. Who would prefer to watch baseball or football? There's my baseball fans. Go Rays. Yeah, that's me. I prefer. I like both. But. And football. Go Bucks. All right. Got a lot of Bucks fans in the house. All right. Would you rather have as a condiment ketchup or mustard? So who says ketchup? Y'all are nasty. That stuff is terrible. Amen. <laughs> yes. That and ranch. I know I'm weird. How about mustard? Yeah, that's me. All right. Good. All right. Last one. Democrat or Republican? Never mind. We're not. We're not. We're not going there. All right. I decided to play this little game just as a way to point out that we all have preferences, right? We all have things we like, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And we get excited about that. We have a passion for the things we like, right? And this leads us into the next thing I want to talk about, which is what worship is not. And it's important that we discuss what worship is and as well as worship is not. Now, I'm going to warn you here, this is going to be the part of, the, part of this that you're probably, uh, it's going to be a little bit difficult. And, but I, I just encourage you, don't check out on me. I think we're going to get to a good place. Because here's the reality. Our culture has this consumeristic mindset. And that mindset has bled its way into music. It's bled its way into the church. Because we all tend to connect and worship to things, different preferences that we have, right? And there's nothing wrong with having preferences. There's nothing wrong with liking a certain environment, a certain song, a certain style of music, uh, all those different things. There's nothing wrong with that. But many times we let them get in the way of us worshiping. Or worse yet, we become critical and start complaining about those things. And that's a dangerous place to be. We're also not here to get a feeling, right? 
Feelings are fleeting. Feelings will let you down. I had the opportunity to speak to our students. We talked about identity, about how even the scriptures say the heart is deceitful. No one can know the depths of its wickedness. Our feelings can lead us astray. But here's the thing. Feelings can be wonderful. It's great when you're in a worship service and you just feel the presence of God. But listen, that's not the goal. That's great. I love being in the presence of God. I love that feeling. But it's not the goal. We're here to give God what he deserves, whether or not we feel like it or not. Hebrews 13, 15 says this. Let us, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Many times worship is a sacrifice. We don't feel like it. Now, I say all this, and I'll be honest with you. I'll be transparent. I struggle with this at times, especially when I go and visit other churches, whether it's going to a family church or uh, visiting a church with my wife. I'll walk in. I'll start, I wouldn't do that. I'm not sure I like that. Oh, I wish it was louder. I wish it was quieter. I wish it was these things. If I'm being honest, I do that, and I become critical. And that's not right. And that's not the way we should be. And so as I say these things, I'm saying this, I I recognize it because I deal with it too when I go to other churches. You see, if we're not careful, we can make worship all about us. And when that happens, we choose our preferences over God's presence. We choose pride over humility. We choose comfort over surrender. I believe there are very few things that are of greater loss to the life of believer than to have an opportunity to worship and to look away because maybe we don't like what's happening or it doesn't fit our preferences. It's not a great place to be. We're also not called to be spectators. Think about it. Some of you get your, uh, your, your uh, what, a groomsman pose, you know, you come to worship, you know, kind of thing, but we're not called to be spectators. What if we treated our spouse the same way we worship God? Think about it. What if we looked at her and said, you know what? I'll show up once a week for an hour. I'm not going to do anything. I'm barely listen. I'll just stand there in her presence just looking bored. I'll say hi to some of her friends. And I'll say, see you next week if nothing better comes up. It wouldn't be a great relationship, right? Hear my heart. I don't say these things because... I'm somehow bitter as a worship leader. I somehow become jaded. I say these things because I have a longing for you to experience God more. I have a longing for you to share in the joy of worshiping God no matter what the environment's like, no matter what the songs are like, or the style's like. Our heart of worship needs to be driven by a desire to spend time in the presence of God. If you're taking notes, I would write this down. Pursuing our preferences and pursuing God's presence cannot exist in the same space. We can't do both. We can't pursue what we want and pursue what God wants. Those two things cannot exist in the same place. So we've looked at what worship is and what worship is not, and thank you for hanging, hanging along with me. But I also want to look at how we can respond in worship and how that relates to our identity. So we're going to look at Mark 12, uh, starting in verses 28. The, The Bible says this. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. 
He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So if worship is our response to God and how we show our love to God, I believe we can take this verse and look at it through the lens of worship. So let's take a deeper look. Jesus said we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, which is our emotional being, our soul, which is our inner being, our mind, which is our intellectual being, and our strength, which is our physical being. So let's break it down a little bit. So our heart, this is when we worship, this is expressing our emotions to God. Each one of these has a question I think we should ask ourselves. And for this one, we should ask ourselves, what do I love most? You see, we need to engage our emotions when we worship. But we should never let our emotions drive our worship. But we should let our worship drive our emotions. The next one is soul. This is connecting our inner being, which is our soul, our spirit, with God's spirit. We should ask ourselves the question, what am I driven by? John 4, 23 says this, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. The best interpretation I heard of this verse um, for us to be true worshipers is that our spirit is led by and connected to God's spirit and our truth aligns with God's truth. We'll dive into a little more of what that means later. But I want to move on to the next one, which is our mind. This is focusing our attention on God. We should ask ourselves the question, what do I think about most? We can do this by focusing our thoughts on things above and our thoughts connecting to God in worship. Philippians 4, 8 puts it best. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The last one is strength. This is using our physical actions for God. We should ask ourselves the question, what do I do the most? You see, we should be physically engaged in worship as well. This can be done like we listed some things, kneeling, clapping, dancing, raising our hands. These are all ways to express our love physically. And here's the deal. As I read off those four things, I'm sure you identify one that's probably a more natural expression for you. Something that is designed in your personality that you relate more of how you express love to God. And that's good. That's good if we identify which ones is kind of our love language to God. And we should never deny that. We should never move away from that. However, I believe God is most glorified when we look at all four of these expressions and put those all into practice. That's how we receive more of God. That's how we can pursue him and know more of him and experience more of him. I love a quote by John Piper. Uh, He said this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So what happens when we worship? There's a lot of things that happen When we worship, one, it focuses our heart, mind, soul, and strength on God, like we just talked about, right? It focuses all that on God. It removes the darkness and ushers in the true light. 
It also, if you're facing a battle in your life, you're facing a hardship in your life, worship gives you the strength and the courage to face that battle and to get through it. But what's even cool is in, is in Zephaniah, we get a glimpse into how God responds when we worship. And we're going to look at Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. It says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. This all happens when we worship, when we enter into God's presence and we worship him. Why would we not want to worship a God like that? A God who sings over us, rejoices over us, who saves us, and even quiets us with his love. Think about this. The almighty, most holy, most powerful God of the universe wants to spend time with you and with me. He wants to have it our praises. And he does these things because of how much he loves you and I. Earlier we read the verse from John 4, which said that true worshipers worship him in spirit and truth. And I want to kind of, kind of take a little side note here. Worship should always lead us to connect with the God of the scriptures. That is our primary way to know who God is and how we can worship him for who he is. But it's also with worship. We can't do one without the other. The Bible is kind of the the gateway to God, so to speak, but worship is the key that opens that door. Maybe you feel like sometimes your worship is empty. Maybe it's not reaching past the ceiling. I would encourage you to examine yourself. Are Are you surrendered to him? Are you worshiping? Are you here just because you're supposed to be here? Or are you worshiping because you're longing for the presence of God? Maybe you haven't taken the time to really dig into the scriptures to know the God of the Bible. So you don't really know who God is to be able to worship him. Maybe... It's because you're concerned about maybe what the other person beside you might think, your family might think, if you start physically worshiping or you start kneeling or you just stand in awe. Isn't it crazy how concerned we sometimes get with what other people think about us when we're in this place instead of what God thinks about us? My heart for you is that you would never miss an opportunity to worship him. And every week we have an opportunity here in this place that a lot of people don't have to gather together as a church, to hear from the scriptures, to be taught. But we also have an opportunity to worship. And for some, like I said, I get it. Maybe it's not your gift. Maybe it's, you feel like I just, that's not how I connect to God. But we need to push ourselves to step out of our comfort zone to worship him so we can have a full understanding of who he is and what he's doing. After I pray, we're going to have an extended time of worship. We're going to sing a couple songs. And I want to encourage you, don't let this moment go by without really pursuing God's presence and entering into his presence today. And even if you're watching online, it might feel awkward in your living room or wherever you are to start singing or to start physically worshiping. But Man, I would encourage you to dive in with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And here, it's the same as well. Maybe today you're here and hearing about worshiping a God 
like we talked about from Zephaniah, God who rejoices over us and saves us. Maybe for you, you haven't made a decision to follow Christ yet, but you want to. You hear about a God like that, and you want to worship a God like that. I want to encourage you today, as we normally have, we're going to have some leaders up front. If you want to make that decision or you have questions, please don't hesitate to come forward and talk to one of our leaders. We want to help you make that decision. But don't leave today without leaving it all in the field, so to speak. Let's worship God with all that we are, because he wants all of us. He wants all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and strength. He desires that from you. He doesn't desire you to do it so you can check off something. It's not a rules-based thing. It's just like my son. People say, why do you raise your hands and worship? I was like, you know, it made so much more sense when Hudson came along. Because he'll be like, Daddy, Daddy, just hold me. And sometimes that's why we raise our hands. Daddy, hold me. Daddy, I surrender. Maybe we need to kneel more, shout more. Maybe dance. Is that allowed? Can we dance? I'm not a dancer. That'll freak you out. But maybe we should dance more in the presence of God. But God longs for you. He wants you. He wants all of you for his glory. Because he's doing something. He's doing something here. And I love that we're a worshiping church. But there still are some that just hold back. And I don't know why. But I would encourage you to ask that question. What can I do to fully express with all of my heart, all of my soul, all my mind, and all my strength to worship God? Will you pray with me? God, I'm so thankful, God, for this church. I'm thankful that you have called uh, us to be worshipers. God, I'm thankful for your heart, for how you love us, for how you pursue us, for how you rejoice over us. God, I'm thankful that I get to worship a God like that. I'm thankful for who you are. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the empty tomb and for the salvation that comes through Jesus. And so God, I pray over every person here that God, in this time, God, we can worship with all that we have. God, that we'll worship with all of our emotions, we'll worship with all of our thoughts, we'll worship with all of our spirit, and we'll worship with all of our strength. God, that we won't be concerned about what other people think. We won't be concerned what the person next to us will think. But God, we will open up the windows and let your spirit in. And God, we pray that you will radically change us. God, we long for you. We long for more of you. We long just to be with you. And we are so thankful that the God of the universe longs to be with us as well. God, thank you for all that you are and all that you're doing. We give you praise through your son. Amen. 